0: Well good morning everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. Glad that you're here. We like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for a long long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. Uh, Whether you're here in the room or gathering with us online we are glad that you have decided to worship with us today and uh, let's bow our heads and pray as we begin. Thank you God. Thank you for the chance to gather together, to worship you, to sing to you and pray to you, to listen for your spirit speaking through the scriptures and to gather around the table of our Lord Jesus. Uh, we are here today because we, uh, we want to connect with you, God, because we have sensed that there is something more than just what we see with our eyes going on in our lives. We've, we've felt the pull of your Holy Spirit drawing us to you. And so here we are, Uh, Some of us, having followed you for years, decades, and just eager for a chance to thank you once again for your faithful love, Uh, some of us, God, here just hoping that maybe there might be something to this and reaching out in the hope that maybe we'll find that there's something more. Uh, God, I pray that uh, for each of us, as we reach out to you, we will find that you have already been reaching out to us, that you have been loving us and uh, guiding us and strengthening us from... uh, well, from long before we ever even thought to look for you. So today, God, may, may you receive our worship. May we offer this worship as, um, as a response to your faithful love, as a response to your goodness that you have already shown to us. Thank you, God. Thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, If you're interested and able, let's stand and let's sing.
1: Psalm, 30, Psalm 139, verse 14 says, I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. what mercy was revealed. What tenderness and peace, my fate was surely still, until he rescued me, his pardon for my sin, his bounty for my name. the sun Jesus is the Christ the Son. your great name. All condemned, feel no shame at the sound of your great name.
2: Amen. Praise the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does such wonderful things. Praise his glorious name forever, and let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Pray with me, would you? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this beautiful day that you've given us, for the beautiful colors that we see outside as as the season is changing and, and the earth gets ready for its nap over the winter. We, we so appreciate, Lord, the creativity and the beauty that you put into it. Thank you, Father, for gifting us with that goodness of yours. Lord, I thank you for inviting us into your presence this morning, for bringing us together here in this place. And for those who are joining us also online, part of our community and our family, Lord, we're so thankful that you are here among us as you have promised us in your word. And Father, I pray that as we go through the remainder of this service, may we hear from you, Lord. May we hear a special way. Maybe it's a, an, old, an old story that we hear or it's scriptures that are familiar to us, Lord, but may they be new in our hearts and new in our minds. And may we find a new inspiration, Lord, from what you've given Pastor Rich to share this morning. Father, I know that many of us have come with burdens this morning, and that's okay. You never promised us a life without burdens, but you've also promised that you will carry those burdens for us. And so I thank you, Lord, for that promise. Lord, I thank you for each victory that we've seen this week, for each person who has, who has had good news, who has heard from other people that maybe they hadn't heard from, for, for relationships, Lord, that are on the path to restoration. Wherever it is that we have seen those victories, I thank you, Father. We give you all the praise and glory this morning because you alone are worthy. You alone deserve the glory, the praise, the blessing, and the honor. And all these things we pray in your precious, holy, and mighty name. Amen and amen. And the peace of the Lord be with you. Take a few moments and as you're comfortable, and go ahead and pass the peace amongst yourselves as we anticipate Pastor Rich coming.
0: Let's see, hopefully when you came in you got one of these little uh, handouts to let you know what's going on around here. and. Uh including the links that are up on the screen. If you want to connect with us, we'd love to connect with you. You can, uh, you can do that online, or if you're here in the room, you can grab that little uh, green card on the table back there and jot your info on it and any question or prayer request or feedback or anything like that that you might have and just drop it in the box, and then that way we can follow up with you this week and uh, be praying for you or answering your questions, whatever that might be. Uh, we would love to connect with you. And uh, also, if you're giving today, you can drop it in that box or you can give online at livinghope.info slash give. Uh, maybe you want to get connected with the Habitat build that we're doing this uh, this fall. Uh, the work is already begun, and there's a build day on October 29th. And uh, there are limited spots available, but there are still several spots available. So if you want to participate, or your family wants to participate, or something like that, I think on the form it says you got to be 18 and older. They might, and uh, we can talk with them. If you got uh, kids under 18 that want to participate, uh, I think they can make that happen if we plan for it or something like that but if you go to livinghope.info habitat all the all the stuff is there there's a link there you can donate just to give for it and uh, we've got somebody who's willing to match up to fifteen thousand dollars so however much we give if if we if we don't get up to that amount it'll get matched if we go over that amount well it'll be great but it won't all get matched but and then anything we give including that will get matched again by Thrivent Uh, so if you give ten bucks it'll turn into forty dollars for this house that's being built right here in Valparaiso for a family that needs it so we would love to have you participate not just in giving but also in uh, putting in that sweat equity and and helping frame that house on the 29th It'd be a lot of fun uh, so if you want to do that again livinghope.info habitat and just follow the links right there and then uh, also because i know some of you are interested in helping with disaster response type things um, you can always give through nazarene compassionate ministries if you go to ncm.org Uh, there's I just was looking this morning and sure enough there's like a storm response and you click on that and then it's got oh you can this storm response and this storm response and this storm response all these different storms that have uh, devastated uh, parts of our country parts of the world Uh, if you want to help give to uh, to Nazarene Compassionate Ministries they are able to then funnel those resources right to the the local churches that are near there so like For example, if there was a, we we couldn't get a hurricane here, so what, if there was some massive, you know, natural disaster that happened in northwest Indiana somehow, uh, we would be right here on the front lines, right? And they could funnel resources to us to help our neighbors. So that's what happens. There are local churches in these communities that when we give, they can funnel those resources to those churches as they reach out to their neighbors with the love of Christ and uh, to help in, in practical ways. So. Um, if you want to do that, you can, if you're interested, there might be, I've not heard one way or the other, there might be a team that leaves from Northwest Indiana to head down there through, uh, some of the different churches of the Nazarene. Sometimes they partner together and, and do a, a work trip, just like there was a group down doing drywall in Kentucky, uh, pretty recently. There may be a group in the coming months that goes down to Florida, uh, to help with, uh, the Ian response. Uh, if you're interested in that sort of thing, you can always let us know and we'll pass along that information as soon as we, as soon as we have it, um. I feel like there's some other things maybe going on that I could tell you about. Um, I'm bummed, just like some of you might be, that last week we had some technical difficulties. Sorry to those of you who depend on watching us uh, online. I wasn't here last Sunday, and so I missed Pastor Judy's message. I heard that uh, somebody said that last week it was like the day of Pentecost all over again. It was just, and, and they said, and nobody can tell me otherwise because no there's no evidence of it. You know, There's no, there's no video or anything like that. Um, but her message on Ecclesiastes, I had talked with her about what she was going to be sharing with you, and so I was excited to hear it, and I'm bummed I didn't get to. Um, last week, I was running the Chicago Marathon with Team World Vision. Uh, that team overall, the 1,500 or so of us that ran the Chicago Marathon, have raised 2.9 something. We're shooting for $3 million uh, raised for clean water. Personally, I'm shooting for $10,000. I'm so close. I'm really close to getting there, and uh, we've all got like 30 days to, to finish getting that in, but uh, thank you to all of you who... Prayed for me first of all because I did finish. It wasn't fun. Uh, No, sorry, it was fun. It was and not fun. It was rough. Uh, (laughs) I'd run it before in uh, in 2015, 16, and 17, and I feel like it was a more pleasant experience those years. This year was not as as pleasant, but it was a lot more fun because a friend of mine that I'd gone to youth group from uh, high school days, and we'd continue to be friends. He flew in from Washington, and we ran part of it together. He's faster than me, so I waved goodbye to him after a while and caught up with him at the end, but. Getting to hang out with him and getting to be a part of the Chicago Marathon experience was was still great. And uh, getting to be a part of raising money for clean water for kids is is always fun. Uh, We do that together as a church every year with the uh, global 6K for water that World Vision does. And we get to host it. It'll be May 20th, I think, uh, this next year. Right across the street to Old Fairgrounds Park. We do five laps around there. And that's 6K. And uh, some of you are already signed up. You can sign up for today if you want at valpo6k.com and sign up to, to participate next May. Uh, but if you would like to run the marathon next year, you could just talk to me. Uh, and, uh, I haven't decided yet if I'm doing it again next year. So if there are some of you that want to do it, then maybe that would convince me to, to go for it. Uh, we'll see. At, at 47, it's getting harder and harder to get out there and, and do that. But anywho, yeah, I know my, my dad ran marathons like into his 60s. So I feel like I, I could do it. But Stacy and I haven't talked yet about whether or not I will. So we'll see. All right. All um, right. Yeah, so uh, today I wanted to kind of build on a couple of things uh, from the last couple of weeks, uh, dive a little deeper. I was looking back uh, two weeks ago. There was this, this aspect of the message that I think I spent a minute and a half on, and I wanted to spend a little more time than that on, and that's the, the power of our words, uh, the words that we use, and uh, whether they benefit the people around us or not. And um, I know sometimes we just think of our words like, well, you know what, I, I say lots of things every day, and what's the big deal? And and it's true. We use more and more words now than we ever did before. You know, things, things have changed, right? Some of you can remember, you know, the life before the Internet and, uh, and the ways that we communicated before we all had things in our devices in our pockets that while we're on a Sunday morning, we can be tweeting out or posting on Facebook or whatever, you know, anything we want or texting our friends. And uh, as, as I was running the marathon, I, I didn't do this. Uh, Chris did. Uh, and I saw several people around running the marathon like this, you know, like... Doing them, taking pictures of things around them, you know, like going by the Chicago Theater. And there Chris was like snapping with his family, like sending them something because uh, he's going by the Chicago Theater. And it was just amazing. And, and um, actually, I'm kind of glad some people do that. There's this, I watched this really great recap video, a guy that had like a GoPro on a stick and he ran the whole marathon that way. And so he's got like a little recap of like all the fun parts of the marathon. And it was, it was really kind of cool to watch. Um, anyway. You know, we didn't used to be able to do this, right? But now we can, we can talk to people around the world, we can get our words out there, and so we, we use a lot more words than we used to. I just uh, heard just this last week that uh, this was from a couple of years ago that, uh, that we sent 306 billion emails, four and a half trillion text messages, 500 million tweets, and watched 520, 525 million hours of YouTube per day. So, this is globally, this is what happens every day right? We use a lot of words. It's a lot more than when you had to sit down with a pen and a a postcard and and scratch out a message to someone to send it to them, right? Um, We are just shooting words out there all the time, and we think about them a lot less than we used to. You know, we just, a thought comes to our mind, and we can spread it to millions of people instantly. Or we, someone else has spread something to us, and you know you've done this at some point, right? You, You see something that gets tweeted or shared on Facebook, and you see this, and you're like, ah, that's crazy how could they do that and then you're hitting the share thing and you're you know outrage and you're saying something that you haven't even read the article yet you don't know if it's true but man you're angry and so you're telling everybody about it right Um, this is a problem that we seem to have as a species and uh, we, we use more words and we think about them less and we forget how powerful our words can be. Uh, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, and my apologies, I have nothing on the screen behind the eight ball, so you just have to look at your papers, and I really apologize to those of you watching online. I will, I will put this online at some point later, so you can uh, have the scriptures there, but uh, Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. I'm not sure about that last part, but uh, the first part I understand, you know, the tongue has the power of life and And death. I liked how the message paraphrased that. Words kill, words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. And that's the reality that we all face each and every day. The words that we use could be life-giving or life-taking. They could be, you know, delicious fruit that someone loves to receive, or they could be poison. And we've all experienced this, right? We've had people that have said things to us that encouraged us, that helped us to keep going, that helped us to Years later, you may remember something somebody said to you when they mentioned they believed in you or they mentioned they thought you could do this. You know, you were thinking about trying something new and somebody said, yeah, I think you could do that. And just those words, just that belief that they expressed in you gave you the courage to go for it and start a new career or or make a move or whatever it might be. Likewise, some of you can remember people who said very cutting things to you years ago. And those those words still haunt you today. As you think about trying something, you think about doing something, and what echoes in your ears are those negative words someone said to you a long time ago, and they, they prevent you from trying something or doing something that you feel like you would love to do. Words kill, words give life, either poison or fruit, you choose. Now, there are people that have done studies about um, these positive words or these negative words, and, you know, there are certain things that we always have to say something there are always times when we have to use some critical things, right? Where you're a parent, you're a coach, you're a, you know, a teacher. You have to be able to say to someone, oh, yeah, that's not right. Here, let me show you how to do that right. right? There are times where you have to point out that somebody's not quite got something right. You know, it's constructive criticism. We try to be constructive, you know, if we can. Uh, but we have to say something negative to someone. Uh, and there are lots of times where we get to just simply praise and say, man, that was great, great shot, or great job on that test, or whatever it might be, right? And so people have studied, like, okay, so how many, what's the ratio need to be? Positive words to negative words. And they've done studies of like teams, work teams, to see like um, the best performing teams, like how many positive words are shared versus how many negative ones. And on an average team, how many are shared. And They've done that for work teams, athletic teams, marriages. Uh, the, is it John Gottman? He's the guy that studied this and years ago came up with, he called a magic ratio. I'm getting a thumbs up. Yeah, you like that guy, yeah. Um, he, he studied years ago from marriages. They could look at a couple that was thinking about getting married And just from a 15-minute conversation, they could predict with, I think it was 94% accuracy, they went back and and checked like 10 years later, which of these marriages were going to work and which of them were not. Just by a 15-minute conversation and and checking to see how many positive statements were made versus how many negative. And what they said, their magic ratio was five positive words to every one negative word. Now, obviously... Four to one, three to one, these are all good, you know, but they found like you know, about five to one is kind of that sweet spot. Um, some of those work teams were closer to six to one. Um, but that, that's a ratio that, that works, that, that is uh, positive and affirming and helpful, most helpful. Maybe that's the way to, to phrase that. So the question I'm asking myself is so what's my ratio <laughs> in my marriage, with my kids, with, with you? Uh, in any kind of a relationship, conversation, people that I'm connected with, what's my ratio? How many, how many of those things am I saying that are positive and affirming and good and, versus how many of those things are corrective or negative or whatever? What's my ratio? Um, I've heard that an average um, for many of us is like one good word for about every three negative ones which is like opposite of what it should be, right? Like there's a lot of work for us to do if, if that's what we find is our ratio. Um, I did read something somebody shared on Facebook recently about a bunch of uh, women that were like a marriage retreat thing. Uh, and um, the person asked like, well, how many of you tell your husband, you know, that you love them um, you know, often? And they're like, oh yeah, when, when was the last time you told them? And, and some of the women were like, oh, I just told them earlier today or you know, yesterday or well, I'm not sure exactly. And so they had all the ladies pull out their phones and text their husbands, "I love you, sweetheart," all right? And uh, and then they traded phones and they asked them to read the replies that the husbands gave. And uh, you know, there were—I think I'm not sure if this really happened, okay? But the responses were things like, "The responses were things like, uh oh, what'd you do now?' You know? And uh, wait, who is this? You know? Or." Um, you know, just, just tell me what it's going to cost me. You know, things like that. Uh, they were getting responses that showed this is not a typical thing that they would say to, to their husbands. And, um, and so we might think that we say things, you know, more often than we actually do. We might think because we're thinking positive things, right, about this person, but we don't always express them. We don't always let them know that we love them. We don't always know, let them know that we care about them. Um, they're all concerned. And I'm guilty of this. You know, Stacy can testify later if you want her to um, about how that works in our relationship. So this is, this is me talking to me this morning, okay? What is my ratio? Am I, am I managing to say five positive, affirming, encouraging things for every one critical or negative thing? Or, am I way, do, or do I have a whole lot of changing to do in the way that I use my words? Now, I would hope... That for those of us who are following Jesus, that we would find ourselves at least moving toward that ideal ratio. That we would speak to others like the way that God has spoken to us, right? Because God doesn't come to us and just have a bunch of critical things to say. God doesn't come to us and just say, oh, gotta stop doing that. stop doing that. Hey, cut that out. You know, that's not not how God comes to us. God comes to us and says, man, I love you. I am so glad uh, that you're my child. I think it was just a couple weeks ago we were talking about being God's family and how it pleased God immensely to adopt us into his family, to, to have us as his own. And that's what Jesus comes and shares with us. The, the kingdom of God is, is come. God is making things right. He's inviting us to be a part of this, of this kingdom, of this family. If we're going to love others the way Christ has loved us, then we're going to speak words of, of encouragement, of affirmation, of, of um, words of love, words of grace. Is that what we're known for? Is that what the church is known for? Um, Hmm. Boy, things worth reflecting on, I suppose. So I just want to, uh, this this ties in for me from a couple weeks ago. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, as we were talking about being this body, being this family, uh, there was a passage in there that said, I don't know if you remember this, but it said, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. He's telling these early Christians, the Apostle Paul talking to this church, saying, look, when you talk to each other, don't let anything unwholesome come out of your mouth. Don't let anything, you know, that's gross, that's unhelpful, that's, you know, unwholesome is something that's like rotten or it's decaying or it's, it's like the opposite of wholesome, right? If it's wholesome, it's good for you, right? And I think, I think uh, last couple of weeks ago, I talked about, you know, um, you know, feeding somebody something that's gone bad. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, if you had company over or something, you know, and you're putting a meal out for them, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think, uh, oh, I think this milk is uh, suspect, but eh, probably okay, and just pour it in everybody's glass, right? Um, you wouldn't take something that's been sitting in the fridge for a couple of weeks, and like, yeah, I can just kind of scrape that part off, and that's still good, and serve it, right? No, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that for folks, uh, because you'd think, oh, that's unwholesome. That might make them sick. That's gross. But sometimes the words that come out of our mouths kind of f- smell a little funky, you know, they're not exactly helpful. They're not encouraging. They're not good for building them up. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Now, he doesn't say don't ever let those thoughts enter your head, you know, because you can't help sometimes the thoughts that enter your head, right? The thought that flashes through your, your mind uh, might not be the most helpful. He's saying, look, don't say that to those people. Don't say that to them. Don't let it come out of your mouths, you know. Uh, it's one thing to think it. It's another thing to say it. Um, now, that doesn't mean you should just sit there and dwell on a bunch of negative stuff, right? Because eventually that's going to come out of your mouth. And we're going to talk about that in just a minute. Uh, but just because it pops into your head doesn't mean you need to say it. <laughs> that's one of those uh, problems that, we, that comes with you know, doing all the typing with our thumbs, whether it's texting or tweeting or, you know, whatever, uh, is we have this, this very, there's, there's almost no filter anymore for some of us between the thought that enters our head and the things that we say or the things that we type. And he's saying, no, don't let that unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. What's the, what's the saying that I think we were all told as kids, if you don't have anything nice to say? Don't say anything at all. That's right. Sometimes that's just what we need to do. <laughs> like, I don't have anything encouraging or helpful to say right now, so I'm just going to hold my tongue. I'm just going to. And that's one of the verses that uh, Pastor Judy shared last week from Ecclesiastes chapter 3. For everything there's a season, a time for every activity under heaven, and in that long list of things, it was a time to be quiet and a time to speak. And the wise thing to do, Ecclesiastes is part of this wisdom literature in in our Bibles that is just reflecting on life and saying, you know, there's a wise way to live and there's a foolish way to live. And the wise thing to do is to recognize that sometimes it's the time to be quiet. Other times there's a time... To speak. You know, we have to try to teach our kids that, you know, as we take them into different circumstances. Our boys are six, and, uh, you know, as we take them out into the world to different places, there are times that it's appropriate to speak, and there are times that shh, 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 you're going to be quiet right now, you know. Um, there are times that you use your inside voice, times you use your outside voice. Right? There, there are times where you speak, and there are times that you're quiet. This is wisdom, and hopefully we learn this as we mature. Unfortunately, some of us struggle with that maturity right and uh, or we take some steps backwards and we forget that it's okay sometimes to not have an opinion or not to express that opinion perhaps is a better way to say it it's okay sometimes to not have to respond to every little thing that people say or do sometimes it's time to be quiet if we don't have something helpful if we don't have something that'll benefit those who are listening if we don't have anything wholesome maybe it's a time to be quiet Or as James says it in his letter that's in our New Testament, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Maybe we should listen and then think before we talk. That's actually Proverbs. I've got quite a few things here from the book of Proverbs. Speaking of wisdom literature, you've got Ecclesiastes and Proverbs and Job. Um, Some would include Song of Songs in that list. This this, uh, section of scripture in our Old Testament, uh, in the Hebrew scriptures, that's called wisdom literature where they're reflecting on life. And the book of Proverbs is filled with just pithy little sayings that you might find on a fortune cookie uh, or something like that, but just short little bits of wisdom that they collected and they shared because they said, hmm, this is worth thinking about. This is worth mulling over. This is worth, like, letting this sink into the way that you approach life. And so I've just got several of these uh, bits of wisdom about our words and about the way that we speak that I think it might be worth I thought it might be worth putting in front of you and handing to you today so that this week, as you think about the power of your words, as you think about, hmm, how do I change my ratio? Some of these things, if you think about them, might be helpful. So like here's one from Proverbs 15, 28. It says, the heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. <laughs> A lot of these are these little contrasts, right? It says, somebody, somebody who's righteous, their heart, where their, the they make their decisions Saying they, they weigh their answers like, hmm, how should I respond to this? And they think about that first. Whereas a wicked person, their mouth just, just gushes evil. Uh, or another proverb from uh, Proverbs 18, 13 says, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. I think, yeah, that's sometimes how we seem online. It's, it's almost like they had seen the future and seen what online social media was going to look like, right? And, and said, yeah spouting off before listening to the facts that's shameful and foolish. So let's not do that, right? Um, that's not wholesome. that's not helpful. It doesn't build anyone up. Uh, there's another little section of Proverbs 12:22 says the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. So sometimes I think we're tempted if we don't have anything. Good or helpful, you know, to say it. We feel like we got to say something, and so what comes out is a lie. You know? and, and you know, no, you look great in that, you know, or whatever it might be, right? That's the stereotypical one, right? Um, uh, and he's saying, no, lying isn't isn't helpful. Uh, God delights in those who tell the truth, and the reasons given in another proverb, Proverbs twenty-six, twenty-eight says, a lying tongue hates its victims, and flattering words cause ruin. I, whenever I read that verse or hear that concept, that idea. I always think of that TV show, um, American Idol. Is that, is that even still on? I don't, wa- I don't really watch that kind of TV very often. Um, in part because it was always kind of painful for me to watch the people early on in the, in the season, you know, who are like, they have all these tryouts, and they invite all these people to come and sing because they're looking for the next American Idol, the next, you know, superstar. And, you know, some people sing really well and they get to ticket to go on to the next level. And some people, oh man, they just don't sing well. And, uh, and, you know, Simon Cowell used to make fun of them or something, say some really biting thing that uh, was just, like, awful. And I, I always had a hard time kind of watching that. I, don't, I, I think I always felt like maybe people were going to say those things to me, maybe. I'm not sure. Um, and, uh, but I would always think, like, wow, what made these folks think that they could sing? Because it was just so obvious they couldn't, right? And did they have, like, a mom who was just overly encouraging? Like, oh, sweetie, yeah, I love to hear you sing. You know, no matter what they sounded like, did they have friends who lied to them? you know did, did people just lie to them and say, "Oh man, you sound great." <laughs> you no, know, what happened to them that then they because so many times it's not some folks were just there and you knew they were just having fun and they were trying for it, but you know then you had folks who looked like they really thought they had a shot and they're not not making it past the first round because you know they can't carry a tune and they don't have you know it's just a lying tongue hates its victims and flattering words cause ruin. They were experiencing that ruin on national TV. And I think that's why the Lord detests lying lips. He says a lying tongue hates its victims. When we lie to someone, we're not we think we're saving ourselves and maybe we are, but we're victimizing perhaps that other person that we're lying to. We're not being helpful. We're not building them up. We're not thinking about their needs. We're thinking about our own. And that said, look, let's only the words that come out of our mouths should be only what's helpful for building others up according to their needs. Now, obviously we're going to we're going to have to speak the truth, but we're going to have to do it in a loving way, right? And, and in Ephesians 4, we, we read that a couple weeks ago, a couple verses earlier. Uh, it says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. We're going to speak the truth. There are going to be times where we have to have that negative word, right? Hopefully we've, we've had five positive words, you know, uh, to kind of balance this out, but, but that one negative word, that one criticism, that whatever it is that we need to say that's truthful, that they're not going to love, that, you know, they're not going to like to hear that they can't sing and maybe shouldn't try out for American Idol, um, we're going to say that in love. We're going to say that in a context that lets them know, hey, I'm saying this because I care about you. I'm saying, I'm not saying this because I want to hurt you, or I want to, you know, belittle you, or anything of the sort. We speak the truth to each other in, in love, because that helps us to grow, to, to, be, to become mature, to look like Jesus in the world. Now, sometimes Proverbs has a lot to say about another segment of talk that is unwholesome, that sadly uh, has not gotten any easier for us in this age of social media, and and that's uh, the G word, right? Gossip, all right? Spreading stuff that we really just don't have any business spreading. Uh, Proverbs 26, 20 says, fire goes out without wood, and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. Like so many of the quarrels, so many of the disagreements, so many of the fights happen because someone's talking about somebody else that really just doesn't need to be talking, right? If they were wise, they would recognize this is a time to be quiet, not a time to speak. <laughs> I'm talking about somebody else in a way that's not building them up in the eyes of others. I'm sharing something that's making someone look worse in the eyes of others. I'm, I'm just gossiping. I'm sharing something about my neighbor, I'm sharing something about my classmate, I'm sharing something about my family member, and, and maybe I'm working through something I'm feeling about them, but maybe I should work through that in like a different setting than social media, or a different setting than a conversation with this person who's then gonna turn around and like think negatively about them because of what I've shared. It says quarrels disappear when gossip stops. Or in Proverbs 25, it says, as surely as a north wind brings rain, so a gossiping tongue causes anger. That's, you, maybe you've experienced that, right? He's just saying, look, this is, just, this is what happens. gossiping tongue is going to bring anger just as surely as a north wind brings rain. Or in Proverbs 16, verse 28, it says, A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. And maybe you've had, maybe it wasn't gossip, but maybe it was some other form of negative talk, some other negative word that has separated you from friends. I, I just heard somebody telling me uh, this just a few days ago about um, a mother and her adult daughter that like they had had a falling out several years ago and they didn't talk for five years because of this. And finally they were able to come back together and finally they were able to kind of work through this and, and you know, find some forgiveness and some healing. and Five years of not talking to each other because of some conversation that got out of hand. Gossip, unwholesome talk can separate the best of friends. Or Proverbs eleven thirteen: A gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. Um, this is, you know, sometimes the things that I share are preemptive. You know, that's like I'm sharing something with you because it's like, hey, this is something for us to watch out for, and if we can get ahead of this, then we won't have to worry about it. Some of the things that I share on Sunday mornings are more responsive, I guess. Right, The things that, that you come to me about and things that are like actually going on in your life. And this is one of those that, I mean, over, what have we been doing this for, 22 years now? Over the years, man, there have been quite a few times where I have people come to me during the week and say, you know, how hurtful it was. They, they heard that so-and-so that they thought was their friend was talking about them to another friend and it got around to them. Yeah. And the, the strange thing is that then sometimes that other friend comes and they tell me how that person had been talking about them behind their back, And it's like, wait a second. So both of you are just talking to other people about each other. And, and I'm just one of the many people you're gossiping to right now. You know, you've, so you've told five other people about this thing before you went to. And it reminds me, I don't have this in your notes. We've talked about it before, including earlier this year. You can read Matthew chapter 18. Jesus has words to say about when someone wrongs you, what you're supposed to do. And he says, you go to that person privately and you talk about it first. Then if you can't work it out, you bring a couple of other people and you meet with that person, with just those other couple of people to see if you can work it out. Jesus does not say, if someone wrongs you, you go to your five closest friends and you huddle up over coffee or whatever and you talk about what they did to you and how they wronged you. Right? That's, but that's what we sometimes do. You know, Jesus is real clear. Instead of gossiping, we, we go to the person that has wronged us or that's hurt us in some way. And man I can't tell you how many times the the problem is isn't even with that person that did something the problem is that we perceived it wrong they didn't even mean anything by that they we didn't even hear them correctly we thought they said something that they didn't really say or we made an assumption that was incorrect and man now we've and now we've just badmouthed them to however many other people and they're all thinking negatively about them for something they didn't even do that's not the kind of community that the Church is supposed to be, right? That's not what Jesus is supposed to look like in the world. That's what I've been, one of the things I've been thinking about uh, recently is uh, like, what are, what are we as the church known for, right? Or what are we as individuals even known for? I guess every time I do a funeral for anybody, I think like, boy, this. I get to see what this person was known for right? And people talk about the impact they made on their lives and what what they were known for. And and I think, okay, what am I going to be known for someday? Maybe these are the things that 47-year-olds reflect on as they're about to turn 48. Um, You know, what am I going to be known for uh, someday? What kind of person am I in the world? And I think about this church, you know, what are we going to be known for? What are we known for in the community? And for the most part, we're known as a very generous church, as a church that cares about the community, who does good things. And because you do, because you are a generous group, because you're a very welcoming group. We've, I'm I'm blessed to be the pastor of of this church. Um, But it's not all positive, right? (laughs) What are are we known for? What are we making Jesus known for? Perhaps is more important. If we are the body of Christ in the world, then what we are known for is gonna impact the way that our our non-Christian friends think of Jesus. Because they're gonna know, well, here's somebody who claims to know Jesus who says their life has been changed by Jesus. And are they going to see, oh, and somebody whose life's been changed by Jesus is somebody who is encouraging. They're somebody who, you know, they don't spread the gossip that I see other people spread. You know what, these Christian folks, they, they look for ways to be kind. They look for ways, you know what, yeah, they had to tell me about this, you know, thing, but they, they made sure that I knew that they cared about me. I, I wasn't upset at all that they had to tell me that. That's why I go to Proverbs, like Proverbs 12, 18, that says, some people make cutting remarks, but the words of the wise bring healing. Right? Some, some people say things that are just meant to, to cut people down, and he says, wise people will, will find a way to, to talk that brings healing to others. Or Proverbs 16, 24, that says, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul, healthy for the body. They are literally good for us, <laughs> to have people saying kind things to us are we a people who have that that good ratio right Uh, of positive words to negative ones are we a people that that are known for the good things that we say to those around us the encouraging things the ways that we try to find ways that we agree the ways that we even that we speak respectfully to, to people who disagree with us right the ways that we show that we care about them that we love them that that is primary for us people who don't let unwholesome talk come out of our mouths, but make sure that what comes out of our mouths is what's helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That's what I want us to be known for. Now, if you're sitting here and thinking like, yeah, you know, okay, so how do, how do I change that? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm realizing my ratio is not that great. I need, to, I need to change my ratio. I've got some particular people in my life that I'm realizing I, I feel like I have nothing good to ever say about them or to them. How do I change that? And it reminded me of what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, He says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. Evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. From the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks, I think another translation puts it. Whatever your heart is full of, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. And so if your heart is full of grievance, if your heart is full of anger, if your heart is full of you know, ugliness, then that's going to come out of your mouth at some point. If you spend all your time mulling over how that person has wronged you and, and how irritated you are by them and all those kinds of things, then what comes out of your mouth is going to be those things. You know, when you're talking to a friend and they come up, you're, what comes out of you about them is going to be negative because that's what you've stored up. And so the way to change what comes out of our mouths is to think about what's going on in our hearts. It's to think, okay, what am I storing up in my heart? What am I letting go of, and what am I holding on to? Am I holding on to hurts that they've, that they've done, wrongs they've committed? Am I holding on to the negative things that I've noticed, or am I letting those go? Am I, am I assuming the worst about them and holding on to those assumptions, or am I recognizing, you know what, I might not even be right. That Maybe I should assume the best. Maybe I should be gracious. Maybe I should, maybe I should put a positive spin on what I experienced with them instead of the negative one I'm used to putting on it. And if you struggle to do that, Then, just a few verses earlier, Jesus had these words uh, in Luke chapter 6 where he said, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. I I underlined the pray for those who mistreat you part. Because if you're wanting to change what's going on in your heart, starting with prayer is a pretty good place to start. Pray for that person. Ask God to bless them. Uh, Because as you pray for them, your heart's going to get connected to the heart of God and the heart of God toward that person is, is love, right? God sees, yeah, what they've done that's hurt you and that hurts God when, when his kids get hurt. But God also loves that person just like he loves me, just like he loves you. God wants to, to help them to heal what's broken in them that's causing them then to, to be hurtful toward you. And it's going to help you to see them, this is, a, this is a child of God. This is someone created in the image of God. This is someone loved by God. And you're... What's stored up in your heart will begin to change. Which means what comes out of you will begin to change. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Our words are powerful. We we all know this. Uh, We have experienced it in our own lives. Uh, The words of others have had an impact on you, just like they've had an impact on me. And God apparently wants us to be a people who have a a, a good ratio. (laughs) A people who who are, not, who are holding back the unwholesome and making sure that what we put into others' lives by the words that we speak are things that are helpful for building them up, things that are encouraging, things that will benefit those who listen. So let's ask God to help us to have hearts full of love, to have hearts full of grace, the same grace that's been shown to us, to have hearts full of grace toward others so that what comes out of our mouths is, is pleasing to him. That's what Psalm 19, it's the last scripture I put there in your notes, Psalm 19, 14 says, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let's bow our heads and let's just pray that to God today. God, that is what we want to be true for us. We want the words of our mouths and the, the meditations of our hearts, the things that we dwell on. God, we want these to be pleasing to you. You are the God who has loved us, who has redeemed us. You are the God who has been faithful and patient and kind and gracious toward us. And you call us to love others like you have loved us. Help us, God. We don't want to make you famous in the world for gossip. We don't want to make you famous in the world for being critical of people we disagree with. We want you to be famous in the world Uh, because of us, for the grace that you bring, the grace that you have shown us. Jesus, the scriptures tells us that when you came, you were full of grace and truth. And so God, I pray that you would help us as as your people, as people created in the image of God, as people who live in the world as the body of Christ, would you help us to, to embody both grace and truth in the words that we say, in the conversations that we have, Thank you, God. Thank you for these bits of wisdom from your word. I I pray that your Holy Spirit would would plant some of these words in our hearts today. That you would help some of these these bits of wisdom, some of these bits of truth from your word to, to take root and to grow good fruit in us. To impact the ways that we speak to each other, the ways that we speak to our neighbors, the ways that we post things on social media or whatever it might be. That what we put out in the world will be what is good for others according to their needs, to build them up. Thank you, God. Thank you for doing this with us. You you weren't afraid to tell us the uncomfortable truths, to to help us see the ways that we needed to change, but, but you did it in a context of inviting us to this changed life, of inviting us to discover your love and your grace. You did this in sending your son, Jesus Christ. We celebrate today in the sacrament of communion this amazing gift you have given us in him. We offer to you these, these simple gifts of bread and juice and we pray that by your spirit's presence here among us that we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood. Thank you, God, for holding nothing back out of love for us but giving all of yourself to us in your son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, thank you for holding nothing back but out of love for us giving yourself, going all the way to the cross, taking our sin, taking our death, so that by your own death and resurrection, you could conquer the power of sin and death and set us free. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are no longer slaves to the fear of death. We are set free to love, to be loved by you. So today we offer you ourselves and we pray that by your Spirit's work in our lives today that we might live in this world as the body of Christ God we confess to you our need of your grace we admit all the ways that we have not loved you with our whole heart soul mind and strength the ways we have not loved you we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves thank you God that as we admit this as we come clean with you you wash us clean (laughs) That's what your word says. If we confess our sins, you are faithful. You are just. You forgive us our sins, and you cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So continue your transforming work in us by your Holy Spirit, we pray. Help us to receive your grace, this uh, this medicine that makes us well, that makes us whole. Fill us with your love and your grace so that what spills out of our hearts through our mouths will be words of love and grace, kindness, wholesome words that are good for those who hear. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. And would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Um, The musicians are going to come and lead us in a song uh, celebrating Christ and his love for us as we celebrate Christ and his love for us at his table. Uh, I'll be here with a basket of bread and a cup of juice. And as we sing, you're invited to come forward. Take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice and eat it, and then return to your seats. We've got the the regular little pita bread and the the little gluten-free wafers, or we've got the little individual cups if you need one of those, Uh, or if you don't want to get so close to people, uh, we've got those at the tables, and you can, as we sing, you can peel them back and get to the bread and and get to the juice and celebrate with us. This is open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today. All of us who openly admit to him, man, all right. Our words need some work. We need your spirit's help uh, to live in this world in a way that that reflects your grace and your goodness to those around us. So if you're open to his grace, if you're grateful for his love, then you are invited to come and to celebrate. Thank you again, God, for the love you have shown us in your son, Jesus Christ. We pray once more that you would fill us with the spirit of Christ so that as we leave this place, as we go into the world led by your Holy Spirit, empowered by you, strengthened by you, that we might go as the body of Christ, that we might live in this world as your sons and daughters, as your hands and feet, that the words that come out of our mouths will be it be words that are gracious and good. Words that point people toward you, the God who loves them. Thank you, God. Thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Will the Lord bless you and keep you? The Lord turn his face toward you? Oh, I messed it up again, didn't I? It's from Numbers <laughs> chapter 6, you can look it up. But the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.